Hello everyone, this is Jamie DiPolo. I'm the BreastCancer.org Senior Editor. Welcome to this edition of our podcast. Our guest today is Harvey Singer, who is the co-founder of HisBreastCancer.org, a website devoted to male breast cancer. In 2008, an old friend gave Harvey a bear hug that caused shooting pain through the left side of his chest. He was diagnosed with breast cancer in October, learned he had an abnormal BRCA2 gene, and had a mastectomy to remove his left breast. Harvey and his sister, Vicki Singer-Wolf, a three-time breast cancer survivor, founded the foundation His Breast Cancer Awareness Incorporated, and HisBreastCancer.org is the website that goes along with their foundation. They founded the organization in 2009 because they could find little information about male breast cancer. Harvey, welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast. Thank you, Jamie. Happy to be here to help. Yes, thank you so much. So you have said that your mother and your sister were both diagnosed with breast cancer, uh, yet you were still pretty shocked when you were diagnosed um, as a man. So can you tell us a little bit about what you knew or really didn't know when you were diagnosed? Sure. Uh, My mom and my sister were actually diagnosed a month apart, which is kind of weird in its own right. Sure. Um, My mom was diagnosed in in her late 60s. And my sister at 35 said, you know what, maybe I should go get uh, a mammogram. She went a month later and found out that she was also carrying a cancer in her, in her right breast. Um, from that point, she went through the lumpectomy and decided not to do anything additional. At that point, the margins were clean. She went back um, about a year later as a second uh, tumor showed up. And at that point, she had another lumpectomy followed by some radiation, and then she decided to get tested for the BRCA gene to see what was causing it. She had looked back into our family's history, and there was a lot of cancer. Uh, My mom's sister is also a a, a breast cancer survivor, and my mom lost both of her brothers to cancer in their early uh, 30s. So um, she went and got tested, found out she was BRCA2 positive. She called me and told me the diagnosis and warned me that I could be carrying, you know, the BRCA gene. And I said, well, okay, but I'm not going to get breast cancer. I'm a guy. Mm-hmm. She goes, well, you can get other things like prostate cancer, pancreatic cancer that BRCA can cause. And I said, okay, you know, thanks for the information. And then I kind of just put it to the side because I said, okay, I'm, not, I'm a guy. I'm not going to get breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really buy into all the other stuff. And I didn't really understand the whole BRCA thing at that point. Okay. So... Um, yeah, and then in 2008, I was, as you mentioned, I was with a bunch of guys at a football outing, and one of an old friend gave me a big bear hug, and I got this shooting pain. I had actually noticed symptoms for about three months prior to the hug. You know, I noticed an indentation of my left nipple. I noticed all the telltale signs that I know now that I did not know then, mm-hmm. and ignored them. You know, I said, oh, it's folding over. I'm a little overweight. I'm not taking care of myself. You know, guys, as guys, we tend to make excuses for everything medical. Guys hate going to the doctors. Guys hate to be diagnosed with anything. So they make excuses for everything. Um, It wasn't until that hug that I said, okay, something's up here. Mm -hmm. And I went on the return from that trip to my internist. She took about a minute to, like, put her hands on my chest and said, I'm sending you for a mammogram. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you think breast cancer at the time, with like when you got the hug and when you had the yeah? Different as symptoms? soon as I did that, I started poking around and I thought I felt something abnormal. I actually came home. I showed my wife. I said, you know, feel this, uh-huh. and my wife said, oh, you're always looking for something. Um, you know, if you're if you're bothered by it, go see you know your doctor. Mm-hmm. 
So I did. I called. I made an appointment. I actually had a business trip that week, but I made an appointment for Friday. So it was on a Friday afternoon that I got finally got in to see my internist. And she immediately felt what I had felt, a little nodule underneath my left nipple, and said, I'm sending you for a mammogram, which I said, how are they going to do that? Right. And she said, well, I want you to go. I want you to go today because I don't want you to worry about it all weekend. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I put everything together, my sister, my mom, the BRCA diagnosis. I knew something was up. Mm -hmm. um, I had been experiencing some issues with my prostate levels. Um, you know, my PSA level. So I, I just put it all together and I said, okay, I'm going there. I know what they're going to find. And I kind of knew right away. Okay. So I went and had the mammogram followed by the ultrasound, you know, which was calcified, which is the other, you know, come figure now. I understand it a lot better now. Mm -hmm. uh, calcification is a, is a dead ringer sign for a mass, a cancerous mass. Um, and then the following week, a needle biopsy and on the surgeon and a full mastectomy in my left breast. What I didn't understand at the time was, and what my sister didn't even understand, was that I couldn't do a lumpectomy. I think that's a real misnomer with guys. Women tend catching cancer early in their breasts, think can have a lumpectomy. They can't do that with guys. There's just not enough breast tissue. Okay. So they have to remove the entire um, breast from the area, including your nipple areola and everything else that goes with it. And do they take um, chest wall muscle as well for mastectomy with men? No, no, just okay. tissue, just breast tissue. They okay. cleaned it, all the margins were clean. Okay. Uh, I had a sentinel node negative, okay. so that was clean. Um, but when the pathology came back from the, from the tumor, um, it was a high oncotype score. Um, for a while they thought I was HER2 positive, which turned out to be incorrect. Okay. Um, but I had, I went on to see oncologists who, you know, decided I should have some sort of chemotherapy. I went to see three other oncologists for second and third and fourth opinions mm -hmm. um, to try and change up the cocktail because they all seemed to have differing opinions of what to do for me mm -hmm. and ultimately made that decision on my own okay. as to which uh, chemotherapy treatment I should have. Okay. Okay. And when did you decide to have the, um, the BRCA testing? Well, I, I kind of knew what I had. I knew what was causing it. I did a lot of homework um, through a lot of research, which is one of the, the emphasis that caused us to start the foundation. It was very frustrating to not have any information for guys. Mm -hmm. I could not find a single piece of relevant information about a guy outside the fact that they treat you like a woman. Mm -hmm. um, and some other websites that were dedicated to families that had lost their brother or father to breast cancer. Okay. That's what I found on the web. And it was night after night of frustration. I'm finding that, that was the impetus to cause us to, to say, you know what, we're going to do something about this. I knew deep down I had the BRCA2 gene or I wouldn't have gotten this. I read enough to know that it was either environmental or more likely genetic. And BRCA2 runs rampant in the Ashkenazi Jewish faith, which I am. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't actually test until after I completed chemotherapy. Okay. And I went through the test and... When the uh, geneticist came in with the results, he looked at me and goes, well, I guess we found out what we already knew. Mm. Um, you know, I had given them my sister's BRCA test results, and they know exactly what to look for, and, you know, it was there. And then it became, oh, my God, did I pass this to my kids? That, that uh, became the next important factor to me. It was, I already had it. I knew I, was, I had it, you know, before I, start, before I was tested. Mm -hmm. I knew I was dealing with it. But, you, you know, when you think about passing something like that along to your children, mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was really difficult. Now, Vicki, between Vicki and I, we have five children. They're all boys. Okay. 
which was another main reason for us to start his breast cancer awareness. We needed to change the rules of engagement for the boys, for the men that are dealing with this. The men are so swept aside in this whole thing. It's, it's ridiculous. And I think today it's better than it was six years ago when I was first diagnosed. Mm -hmm. But I still feel like today it's like where women's breast cancer was in the late 50s, early 60s. Nobody wanted to talk about it. It was pretty hush-hush. Mm -hmm. You know, women had breast cancer in the 50s and 60s, but nobody ever said anything about it. Nobody wanted to know you had your breast cut off. Right. You know, today it's, you know, with Pink October and everything, it's front page news for everybody. It's become... You know, and, uh, which is another sore subject for us. Right, <laughs> we're I'm not, sure. We're, which we're we... not big on the whole pink October. Matter of fact, our our identification ribbon is half pink, half blue. Okay. But okay. Uh, we, you know, we were just trying to make a difference for guys, and we have done that. We have guys that contact us from all over the world looking for information. We don't give them medical information. We mm -hmm. may tell them this is what I did. Sure. But we, we're not allowed to, we don't want to. Right. We can just lay out the facts and let them make their best choices. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have five or six now prominent physicians, surgeons, oncologists on our board okay. who kind of stay on top of our website and make sure that we're not saying anything that's irrelevant or inaccurate. Mm -hmm. So we go from that, from that regard. Let me ask you something um, too. How old were your children when you were diagnosed? Uh, it was six years ago, so my oldest was 25, my youngest was 23. Okay. Um, both very, already through college, on their own, living out of the nest. Um, they understood everything that was going on. I kept them in the loop. I, I didn't want them to come home while I was going through uh, chemotherapy because I just didn't want them to have to see that. Mm -hmm. They kept offering and they kept saying, no, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know. Okay. Um, they... They're very well educated now, um, mm -hmm. you know, and my sister's three kids are the about the same age, actually. Okay. Um, and one of them's actually just graduated. He's a naturopath. He's an ND, okay. naturopathic doctor. Um, and her oldest is the president of Lucky Vitamin, which runs a major supplement company. And my sister's husband's an ex-pharmacist. So we're, we're pretty well educated on a lot of the topics that go with it. Mm -hmm. uh, it just helped us a lot with the foundation and making relative relevant information available on the foundation site. Sure. Did you um, suggest to your sons that they get tested for BRCA? We've talked very long and lengthy about it. Uh, the national standard, according to the Pastor Center for Research, for BRCA Research, which I think is the governing body these days, okay. uh, together with FORCE, mm -hmm. uh, facing our risk of cancer powered. Right. Uh, I was on one of their um, seminars, webinars, about two months ago, and the average age they're suggesting for BRCA testing for parents that have kids um, for boys is 35, okay. unless you're going to start a family, um, which is in case you want to know earlier. Sure. Um, both my boys are um, single at this point. Um, one actually has just recently been tested. One still is in the process of counseling and is in the process of testing. Okay. Um, thank God my, my younger one got tested first, and he was actually negative. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. that was a hard day, knowing that when that decision was coming down, I was actually with my therapist, and I said I was very, very nervous about how I was going to handle the results. I mean, like I said, the hardest part for me is dealing with the fact that I may have passed this along to my children. Right. Uh, my older son is still not sure what the what he is. Yeah, we haven't, he hasn't been tested yet. But it's certainly not something you can control, so... No, 
No, yeah. and that's what I've ever, you know, my mom gave it to me. We know where it came from now. Okay. Although my mom's never been tested. Okay. Uh, but we know where it came from because there's just nothing on my father's side um, that was relevant okay. to it. And oddly enough, we have an old, my sister and I have an older brother who has a daughter, and he decided to get tested, and he was also positive. Oh, really? And so was she. Oh, wow. Um, he has a 24-year-old daughter who's positive now, too. So um, thank God he hasn't had anything to deal with. My sister's had that. I've had both breast and prostate cancer, rocket-induced. So, you know, education's the key. Right. Uh, my kids are very smart. They understand all the ramifications. Um, we've, we've been able to change their diet and exercise and alcohol intake as much as possible, as much as you can with a kid in their 20s and 30s. Sure. Um, but they understand, you know, the power of, of understanding your body and what you're putting into it because... As much as I believe that the rocket caused it and everything else, I still believe that we all make cancer cells and we can keep our immune system strong to fight those cancer cells by reducing your sugar intake, by reducing your alcohol intake, um, eating organic foods rather than you know infused with pesticides or other environmental, food, environmental uh, toxins that they might put into the foods. And for breast cancer, to avoid hormones in the animals that they're feeding because you know, most breast cancers are hormonally driven, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is why I don't believe that men should be treated like women because okay. we create different hormones at different levels. Right. And right. when you have a hormonally driven disease, you should understand that. Mm -hmm. right? Well, it's taking off a little bit um, about that, about treatment. Now, when you were diagnosed, as you said, there was not a lot of information out there. Um, and you, you said, you know, you talked to, you've got third and fourth opinions about what sorts of uh, chemotherapy you should have. How did you, how did you educate yourself? I guess I'm wondering, how did you make those treatment decisions with, with, you know, very little to go on? Uh, reading as much as I could, um, getting the best oncologist in the country, um, to, to allow me to visit them. Um, I accessed the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium website through one of the oncologists, gave me her keys to unlock all the studies. Okay. I read everything that took place in the, in the 2009 San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium. Um, Education is the key, knowledge is the key, trying to figure out the roadmap that you're going to take to deal with your specific cancer. Look, it's nobody has the answers, and I, I say this often to people that contact us through our website, doctors are just guessing at what to give you. They're using their best estimate, their best guesstimate. They're using statistics and studies, and most of them follow whatever major cancer center they tend to, to reach out to, Sloan Kettering. My, doc, my, my attending oncologist is a Sloan Kettering girl. She, she kind of goes with whatever Sloan Kettering puts forth. Um, some of the more progressive ones are on the West Coast. Uh, you know, it, it's really, some, there's some geography to it. There's a lot of, um, you know, MD Anderson has their theories, Sloan Kettering has theirs. Basser now has more information than anybody when it comes to BRCA driven breast cancer. So you just need to have knowledge. And I can't tell you how many nights, sleepless nights I spent just sitting on my computer looking at things and reading things and seeing what I could find to give myself a fighting chance. Mm -hmm. uh, I just didn't want to be another statistic. I wanted to be able to make those decisions on my own and not let somebody just follow. Most people today just follow whatever their doctor tells them. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm just not cut out that way. I can't make decisions that way. And neither is my sister Vicky. We, 
we are very, very educated in what we're dealing with. And we've decided to, you know, form the foundation to help others with that decision if they want to help, if they want us to help them. Mm-hmm. We'll help direct them, we'll teach them how to get educated. And not just, some, you just sometimes you just get railroaded through the system. Mm-hmm. And if you live, you go into column A, and if you die, you go into column B, and they use that for the next person. And I just, I just didn't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, let me ask you this too. Your, um, well, I actually have two questions. I know that there is not a ton of research on male breast cancer just because the um, the critical mass of diagnoses is not as large not as first, women. Right. Um, did you consider, were there any clinical trials that would have been a good fit for you? Did you? There were none. That? There I tried. Okay. I wanted to be in them. There were none. Okay. There's about 2,400 cases annually diagnosed in the U.S. Um, about 400 of those die, those will die annually. Okay. Um, the, the death rate, the mortality rate for male breast cancer versus female breast cancer is almost four and a half times as high. That's because of lack of screening, um, lack of information, lack of knowledge to, to know what you're dealing with. I can't tell you how many guys I've talked to that had symptoms for years and years and went to their primary physicians and their primary physicians told them it was nothing or it was gynecomastia or it was something else. And it wasn't until it was stage three or beyond that they finally diagnosed it. And so the outcomes are poorer in that regard. Um, so we teach, you know, self breast exam. You go to our website, you'll see, we teach you how to self breast. You're standing in front of your mirror every morning shaving. Mm -hmm. It's November. So I'm letting a little bit grow this (laughs) time. Um, but you know, look down, just look at your chest. Mm -hmm. Does this, does it look the same on the left as it does on the right? Mm -hmm. And mine didn't. And I ignored it. For two months, two okay. and a half months. I mean, I was ignorant, mm-hmm. and you know, fortunately, I was still caught it early enough that you know it was stage one, and I was able to to take care of it for mm-hmm. for the most part. I still had to go through three and a half months of chemotherapy, but um, maybe I wouldn't have had to go through that if I would have caught it earlier. I don't know, but you know, if you can catch it early, you have a chance. But the right, there's no clinical trials because there's not enough men to partake in those trials. Okay. Now, is the the self-breast exam, is that something that your foundation recommends for all men, or is it for men with um, a strong family history, or how, what what, what do you suggest? Well, I, I think it's obvious if you have any family history that you should be doing this once a month. We recommend it for everybody. We okay. recommend it for our children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I got on the pulpit, every... Most of the guys my age or 40 plus go for a physical every year. Mm-hmm. They'll do a variety of tests. One thing they never do in a physical exam by your internist is check your breasts as a man. If you're a woman and you go in for a physical, Jamie, I'm sure you know this. Yep. You're going to check your breasts. Right. So I preach to every guy when you go for your physical, ask the doctor to check your breasts. Mm-hmm. Okay? You should be doing it yourself, but he's a little better at it. He's more knowledgeable. Let him do it. it takes a whole minute to do. Mm-hmm. And if you ask him, he'll do it. Mm-hmm. But the internists just don't do that as normal precourse of a physical. And, you know, it, why not? It doesn't hurt. It's not painful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much time. So why not do that? So as a guy, we preach, when you go for your physical, ask your internist to check your breasts. You're standing once a month. You're in the shower. Lift up your arm. Run your fingers, two fingers around in a circle. It's on our website. You're standing in front of a mirror, look down, make sure there's no difference in side to side. Mm-hmm. Very easy things that could really save your life. Okay. And 
we understand, you know, most guys, well, I'm not going to get it. It's only one in a hundred breast cancers are male. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's only 1% of all breast can of all cancers in, the, in men are, bre are breast cancer. I got it. I got all the numbers, mm -hmm. but I defied all those odds. And so did, tw so did 2,400 people in this country that are men every year. Right. Right. So right. if 2,400 people went down in a plane crash, we'd sure hear about it. It'd be all over front page news, but because it's male breast cancer, nobody seems to care. Right. Now, do you suggest um, the age to start the exam? Is that 35, 40, roughly the same age as women or earlier? I, I, I started telling my kids as soon as I knew and they were in their 20s. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, the, to get BRCA tested, the... VASA recommends somewhere around 35, unless you're going to start a family, to get BRCA tested, if okay. there's family history of BRCA. Okay. Your sister or your mother. Most people don't know that you can get BRCA from your dad or from your mom, mm -hmm. and it could be to your daughter or to your son. Right. Um, they just think it's a woman's thing, and it's not. I mean, mm -hmm. Angelina Jolie made it very popular. You right. know, she got BRCA1, she found out she was BRCA1, she lopped off her breast, she built new ones. Um, that really has very little to do with a guy. Right. But they made it very, very important. It became front page news all over the place. I was glad because it brought BRCA to the forefront. I was going to say, it did get more people talking about it. Oh, yeah, about it definitely it. helped. It definitely helped. It just didn't help as much from the male side because sure. it was never mentioned. And every time I saw an editorial, and it was front page news everywhere, my local paper, your local paper, magazines, a cover of people, whatever it is, every newscast, they were all talking about it. But they, you never heard the word male associated with it. And every time I saw it, I wrote in it to the editorial department of that um, paper or, or news organization said, hey, guys could be BRCA too. Matter of fact, the statistics are 50% of the BRCA carriers in the world are male. Mm -hmm. okay? mm -hmm. So when you're going to talk about something, let's not just sweep away half the people that are carrying the same genetic code mutation and that can pass it to their children. Let okay. them understand. Yeah. And it's, it's been an uphill battle. It's gotten better. It's gotten better. But it's just like pink October. It's like there's nothing to do with men in October. Right. Now, do you think the perception of male breast cancer has changed since you've been diagnosed? Definitely. Definitely changed. It's definitely more prominent. Um, I like to think that we've had a little impetus into helping that. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot more organizations now that we've come out. We were like the first mm -hmm. we could find. Um, there's a couple of documentaries being made. There's a documentary called Pink and Blue throughout the spring that Vicki and I are part of and our organization's part of. And they, they found a lot of organizations that were kind of hidden in the, in the bushes mm -hmm. and they're bringing it all out. Alan, Alan Blasberg, who was the, uh, director, producer of this film, was just actually nominated by the, I don't want to get this wrong, but the National Jewish, U, U.S. and United States National Jewish Federation, um, for, as being one of the 40 most influential Jewish people in the country yeah. for making this film. Okay. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely better than it was. There's still so much further to go. And uh, we, we talk about the NFL, my sister and I all the time, uh, the NFL major powerful organization catering to a 70% male audience goes pink for an entire month. Right. Never and not talks once about do you ever hear them say, and guys, you can get breast cancer too. Right. And I can't tell you the amounts of letters and tweets and things we've written to the NFL, the commissioner's office, trying to get them to incorporate guys into this. I mean, they're spending millions of dollars. They're collecting more than that mm -hmm. on sale of this stuff. But they just don't, their primary audience, they don't talk to. Right. And, you know, if you just say, by the way, guys, you can get this too. You might want to just check yourself once in a while. 
That's, you know, something easy like that, but they won't go there. Right. So it's, it's a little frustrating, but we're going to keep banging. The, uh, and you've mentioned October a couple times um, with breast cancer awareness. I know we surveyed our community members about their, their feelings about October, and many of them, the majority of them felt that there was not enough attention paid to male breast cancer, not enough attention paid to metastatic breast cancer. Um, and I know everything's pink. Yeah. And, you know, and, and crazy things are pink, like drill bits are pink yeah. and, and, and fracking bits are pink and, uh, you know, things that you would never associate with, with recovering from breast cancer. Um, what, in your mind, ideally, would October look like if it incorporated men and women? How, you know, what would you, in your dream world, what would you like to see happen in October? Well, I have a couple problems with October. First of all, it's it's made the awareness of October has made breast cancer more aware. But people think it's a one month of your disease. You know, it's like the other eleven months don't count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's only popular in October. I can't stand the way all these companies have latched on for their own personal uh, benefit. Mm-hmm. Companies, you know, pink sunglasses. I, I've seen. A, you you mentioned it. I mean, you see everything turn pink, and how much of that money is actually going to research? I, from the statistics I've researched, very little of it's going to to the hard research that the doctor's doing it. And from the male side, it's even less. I mean, you know, every October I I start in August and we, Vicky and I, start writing to all the news organizations and any place we can get on. One year I, I crisscrossed the country. I went to every local news organization, got on TV in Chicago, Tampa Bay, Los Angeles, trying to get awareness for the male side as well. And a couple of progressive stations, you know, took the bait and let us on and let us get our message out, which in turn, you know, seemed to, we, we could tell by the number of hits to our website, we can tell that it just increased the awareness on the guy side. Um, we did a campaign with uh, a prominent, I won't mention her name, cosmetic company okay. who, who contacted us this year. Um, they spend a lot of money. They have a huge foundation for breast cancer awareness. Um, Vicki and I, Flew in, they paid us for a time, they paid all our expenses, they wanted the male side of it. When it came down to October, when it started to run it, and we saw the finished product, they cut us out, and there was no mention of males anywhere. And they had told us that they were doing this specifically because they wanted to to focus on the males and minorities. And they had some minorities, but they had nothing to do with the males. And it was, you know... Vicky and I talked about it afterwards. I said, well, they paid us for our time, you know, the money for the foundation, but they didn't do what we wanted them to do. It's right. not about their, you know, their small donation. It was about getting, letting them help us get the word out. Right. And they just cut us from it. Now, they told us after the interview how great it was and how great we were. And, you know, I still, the president of the company still actually writes me on occasion and says, oh, yeah, we apologize for not using it, blah, blah. But it's just, we just didn't feel it was right for our audience in the end their audience is cosmetics and it's mostly female i'm guessing i don't know you know and i said to her don't those cosmetic buying females have husbands and sons and brothers you know and they just don't look at it that way so it's it's kind of frustrating what i would like it to be would be equal but it'll never be that way so i would like it to be you know five percent just ten percent of the message that comes out in october Mm -hmm. um just add a tip of blue to the pink ribbon somewhere and and explain that guys can get this and guys can pass it along. They don't even have to have it. They can pass it to their daughters. They can pass it to their sons. Mm-hmm. You know, try and make it more prevalent for everybody. Um, 
it just it's it's an uphill battle but it's a battle we're going to continue to fight every day as long as we live mm-hmm. um, and we've made ground i can't say we haven't we've made, we've definitely made some headway mm-hmm. uh, it's more prominent when these film when this film comes out um pink and blue comes out i think it'll help um i don't know if you saw decoding Andy parker i'm sure mm-hmm. you saw the film mm-hmm. um you know, that helps a little bit, but that doesn't talk about the guys either too much. So right. it just talks about the Brock gene. So it's just, it's a combination of things, you know, um, making people aware. And October is just one month of, of 12. Right. And it's an all, it's a, if you're a breast cancer survivor, it's an all year round business. Um, it's like people say, oh, so you're cured now. And, right. or you're cancer free. And I, Vicki and I subscribe to the fact we're never cancer free. Nobody that's ever had cancer is ever totally cancer-free. You, and we, we don't believe in the word remission either, but we believe that right now I don't have cancer that's detectable. But I'm sure there's cancer in my body, and I have to keep fighting every day. Um, I remember the, the conversations with my oncologist five years ago, and she asked me how much alcohol I drink. And I, don't, I wasn't a heavy drinker, but I do travel for business, and I was a social drinker. And she said, you know, like one or two drinks a day is okay. And then the following year it was like one or two drinks a week's okay. And then the following year it was one or two drinks a month might be more what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw her this summer, she said, you just might want to stop drinking because now they've found a direct link between alcohol and breast cancer. And I think alcohol and most cancers. Mm-hmm. Personally, I feel that that's, I've already always known there was a process there, but I think it's a fact that alcohol becomes sugar in your body. Sugar depletes your immune system. That's why I very careful how much sugar I intake. Um, and if your immune system's depleted, your ability to fight the cancer cells that we all have, even the ones that don't have diagnosis of anything, the ability to fight those cancer cells off with your immune system is what keeps you healthy. When you deplete that system, which alcohol does, you're gonna make yourself more susceptible to disease. Uh, so yeah. hopefully October will become a little bit more blue as we go forward and the rest of the year will be just as much pink and blue and it won't be a one month a year disease. And these other companies won't just do it for financial um, benefit, right. which is what I think is actually taking place. Okay. Now, you, you talked a little bit about this earlier and just now um, about risk reduction. Um, are there steps, I know there are steps that men can take, but are there different steps that men should take if they know they're at a high risk of breast cancer, like if they have a BR, an abnormal BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene, um, you know, we recommend on our website some of the things you talked about, um, avoiding alcohol, not smoking, um, healthy diet, uh, maintain a healthy weight exercise. Are there, are there, I mean, is that basically it for men too? Are there other things that, that you would recommend or that your foundation recommends? Yeah, if you're if you're BRCA positive, then you know you're BRCA positive. Mm-hmm. Um, we suggest screening, screening okay. like women screens, maybe even more vigilantly. Um, Vicky and I both go on alternate schedules, but six months MRIs with contrast of our breasts, six month mammograms. Okay. Um, I go once a year for a um, upper endoscopy to screen my pancreas. Okay. Um, pancreatic cancer is another derivative of BRCA and you know, at first, my my GI, um, who I've known forever because I I'm, I've had colitis forever and I get colonoscopies every eighteen months anyway. Um, when I said this to him, he said, "Well, you know, there's only one guy in the whole city of Rochester that does this," and he re- you know he referred me. And the doctor looked at me and said, "Do you just want me to screen this because why? You have any symptoms?" I said, "No." 
They said, but I just want to know if you can see any lesions on my pancreas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he did it and then said to me, look clean, I'll see you in five years. I said, no, you'll see me pretty much every year. Um, I don't care. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to be ahead of the curve. I, I know the only way to beat pancreatic cancer is to catch it before it actually happens mm-hmm. you know, or when the lesion is starting. The problem with pancreatic cancer is it's asymptomatic. So by the time they figure it out, it's usually too late. Mm-hmm. That's why there's such a high mortality rate with it. Um, so, yeah, if you're carrying the BRCA gene and you're a guy, there's no reason why you can't go get a mammogram once a year. Mm-hmm. Your insurance co- Most insurance companies as a carrier will pay for that. Okay. Um, I, under new healthcare laws, I can't tell you. Every insurance company will. Um, I know my kids can. Mm-hmm. Um, starting at 35, okay. they will do it. Okay. Um, if they would, if they would do it earlier and you know pay for it, and the insurance company pay for it, I would have them do it earlier. But right now, they're just being self vigilant. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can be screened. You can just be knowledgeable, and then you can reduce your your risk by what you eat, who you are, exercise. Five days a week, 45 minutes, not that difficult. Mm-hmm. We can all do something like that. It keeps your body strong. Mm-hmm. Um, watch your hormone intake and the, you know, make sure your chicken, your eggs, and your milk, if any, nothing else is organic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we totally believe in that side of it mm-hmm. uh, because those hormones that they feed them are hormones that breast cancer lives on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's our regimen. Okay. That's where we live. It's not always the easiest way to live. Sure. You know, I play golf with a lot of guys. We come in from our golf league on Wednesday night. Everybody's drinking. I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to be unsociable that way, but it's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You know, um, the the bigger part of breast cancer, and when I was diagnosed, was the stigma of being a guy with a woman's disease. Right. Uh, you know, my friends would tease me. <laughs> Really? They, they actually oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, in good jest, you know, they knew what I was going through, but it, you know, became a little bit of a running joke. Uh, the group of guys, the guys that I was with when I was, when I first discovered that I had an issue, we, we were all from Philadelphia, we're spread out all over the country, we meet once a year for an Eagles game, either in Philly or somewhere else. Um, I've always been the, the uh, CEO for life, as they pegged me, because I do all the organization <laughs> for it, and they renamed me OT, uh, meaning one tip. Ah. Um, the stigma going through it, it's better now mm-hmm. than when I first started. I mean, you have to go to get your mammogram, you got to fill out the forms, you got to draw on the diagram with this woman with, you know, like 36 D breasts where you might have any issues. It's like, so the know. forms have, there's not a, like a male form when you, yeah, there mammogram. is. Oh, there is. Okay. Oh, there is. After, yeah, after a couple years of my, you know, complaining to my radiology group about it. I said, you know, this is not that big, difficult a form. Can't you just make a different one for guys? Right. It's kind of embarrassing when you're sitting in a room with a bunch of women or they give you a robe with a pink ribbon on it or, right. you know, you're there, everybody's getting their mammograms. I don't know. It's like some of those stigmas are really, really difficult to overcome. When I started seeing my oncologist for the first time and I went in, I was sitting in a room with all these women. My wife came with me. And we saw somebody that we knew that unfortunately had been there, you know, and she came up she went, oh, no, Donna, not you, too. And my wife looked at it and she goes, no, it's hardly here for his appointment. And she just, like, had this, like, blank stare on her face. She couldn't believe that it was a guy, you know, sitting in this room. I fill out the form and they were asking me questions like, do I have vaginal dryness? Right. First time I filled out the form, I looked at my wife and I said, do I have vaginal dryness? And we just started laughing about it because it was just like... You know, they couldn't take that off the form. Right. They couldn't change it. Um, it was also what caused me 
I don't know if you're aware, I wrote a book about this yes. called Stereo Breast Cancer. It's a, the story of a guy going through a woman's disease. Mm -hmm. And it talks a lot about the things that went on through that process that were just ridiculous. But looking backwards, you just have to laugh about them and hope to change them. Right. And I've been able to do that. Which is great. Um, Harvey, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm, I'm just... It's been so enlightening to talk to you, and I'm I'm so happy that hopefully maybe with this podcast we can raise the awareness of male breast cancer just a tiny bit more. Um, thank you so much for being our guest. My pleasure, and everything we can, every guy we can make a little bit more aware, maybe save a life for two or three is helpful. So I appreciate you doing this, and I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. All right, Jamie, stay well. <laughs>